Hello, everybody, and welcome into the 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Great show this morning. We visited with Galen White, author of um, that awesome book that I highly recommend, The Best Little Baseball Town in America, story of the uh, Crowley Millers of the 1950s. We talked to Raging Cajun pitcher Connor Cook, and joining us now in a pre-recorded edition of uh, our usual Tuesday segment, because Jay is traveling to Montgomery, is Mr. Jay Walker, voice of the Raging Cajuns, my friend. Good morning, Jay. What's going on? It's, um, you know, after everything we went through last week, the fact that it is not raining is just a wonderful thing. I, I, I can't believe that the, I mean, that the games were played like on schedule both in Baton Rouge and at Rousseau Park this past weekend. I was, I, I was like, I'll take it. I'm taking it. Boy, no kidding. Um, I, I, I wouldn't have given you any chance at all of all of them being played and pretty much on time. I mean, you had a 30-minute delay on Thursday in the start of the game. But other than that, everything went according to schedule. And I think the coaches especially are very grateful for that. Good stuff. All right, before we um... – before we talk about the conference tourney and the Cajuns a little bit and then do some TTT, I, I have a recommendation for you this summer when you have time to read. I, I interviewed Galen White uh, in the 7 o'clock hour. He came into studio, and the best little baseball town in the world, uh, the story of the Crowley Millers of the 1950s, it, it, it is, Jay, this is your kind of book, man. Let me tell you. I, I learned some things. Uh, now I want to like go to the stadium where, where the high school team now plays just to see this old fishing net that was put there back in the day as part of a promotion when the Millers played there by a guy that had a car dealership. But this is um, you know a, a period in time that I wasn't around for but that is so unique when minor league baseball in small towns across America had really elite talent. But I, that's all I'll say. I mean, I, I spent time on it last hour, but I – I'm going to lend you the book, man, or or, or you can get it, but I, I definitely recommend you reading it. This is a Jay Walker kind of book. I, um, I, I'm aware that the book exists, and I am looking forward to reading it. It sounds like it's going to be great stuff, and, and it'll be, you know, if you're from South Louisiana, you're going to recognize some of the stuff that's talked about, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to the read. Yeah, very impressed with Galen. Um, you know, he's uh, he's written some good ones, but – He's not from around here and just, you know, has, has gotten to know the area a little bit, obviously, right in the book and hearing him talk about it. It's uh, it's awesome stuff. All right, well, let's talk some college baseball before we hear some terrible songs. Uh, the pool play, Jay. I admit that up until, I guess, Saturday evening when the Cajuns won the West, I, there, there were some things that I hadn't considered or even thought about with pool play. I thought about – look, I realized that if you were one or two seed – you might be in a situation where you don't have to throw your ace. You just finish one and one. But I hadn't even thought about how the games today that are scheduled to take place, um, Little Rock and Coastal, Troy and Arkansas State, ULM, Georgia State, App State and Texas State, essentially the losers of those games, they're going to play again, but they can't win the tournament. Like, it's, it's done for them. Yeah, it's uh, Tuesday is elimination day. The four losers will play another game, but they have no chance to win their pool. So for them, the game becomes, if you will, meaningless, although 
you know, I think if you're worth your salt as a team, every game's meaningful. You know, I mean, you could say, oh, okay, well, uh, midweek games are meaningless. Well, no, they're not. You know, every game means something. But as far as winning the tournament is concerned, if you don't win Tuesday, you have no chance. The difference between one and five in the Sun Belt West was what three games? It, it was um, you know, and one and four was uh, two games. It, it was it was so jam packed, and again, the importance of winning the West for seeding purposes. If App State defeats Texas State, and you and Brad are calling a game Wednesday night where the Cajuns are playing a Texas State team that's already been eliminated, and the Cajuns don't have to win that game. Not that they wouldn't try, but don't have to win that game to advance it, win or lose it. It really all just is is predicated on what happens Thursday night. That's going to be, um, you know, uh, I don't know how many times you'll have to explain it, but um, I know that from a pitching standpoint, being that one seed, uh, I would I would expect them to, to save one of their aces for, uh, for Saturday, you know, unless, of course... You know, I mean, unless of course you lose both, but you know the the win one. That's all you got to do. So either Wednesday or Thursday, but particularly I think Wednesday because it'll be the first game people are listening to. There might be some confused listeners if the Cajuns are out there not throwing Arigetti or Cook and you know kind of going by the bullpen. But if you want to win the tournament, assuming that you know if App State beats Texas State, that feels like it would be the way to go, the right move. Well, you know, here's. Here's the, the simpler way to explain this. The Cajuns have one game in, the, in, the, in pool play that is a must-win for them. By the time they take the field Wednesday night, they'll know which game it is. Mm-hmm. And that is a huge advantage, and that's why winning or coming in second in your division was so important because you get that advantage. You know, the other three teams, um, South Alabama, Georgia Southern, and UTA, are all in the same boat. When they take the field for their first game, they're going to know that they've got one game that's a must-win, and they're going to know which one it is. And then they will go ahead from a strategy standpoint and, and use that information accordingly. Yeah, in talking to Deggs yesterday, you know, he's like, I'm not going to commit to anything pitching-wise, and I'm like, I don't blame you. You know, I mean, why would you? You you wait and see what unfolds Tuesday night. Then you make from, you know, your plans from there. But just such a such an advantage to have that uh, in your back pocket and that luxury. And, you know, we talked earlier in the year, Jay, about pool play being, you know, weird most years, but perhaps good for the Cajuns this year because they have an Arigetti and Cook. Well, now – here they are as a one seed, and it's like, you know, you're going to maybe save one of them and, and throw them in the semis if you can get there, but you've only got to win one of those. So, I don't know. The, the, the first game started this morning. You got Little Rock and Coastal at 9, and uh, Troy, Arkansas State after that. ULM, Georgia State after that. App State, Texas State after that. Texas State, losers of seven straight. The Cajuns' opponent tomorrow night, but this is a team, Jay, we saw earlier this month. Take two of three from Louisiana. What are your thoughts on the Bobcats? And, um, you know, I, I say this matchup. We don't know what what kind of matchup it'll be until late tonight in terms of if the Cajuns have to win it or not. But just in general, the two opponents, because we've seen Texas State. I haven't really seen App State. I'll ask you about them in a minute. But that matchup tomorrow night. Well, you know, 
the the coaches who are playing Tuesday have a decision to make because it's elimination day. Do you throw your ace in game one or do you hold it to play a team that finished either first or second in its division? Those will be interesting decisions that we will see unfold. I don't think the Cajuns played very well in that series against Texas State. And honestly, since then, the Bobcats haven't played very well at all. It's crazy in that if you look at the preseason polls, the two teams picked to win their respective divisions were Coastal Carolina and Texas State, and both of them finished dead last. So Texas State's got plenty of talent. They've got um, they got you know guys whose names you recognize if you've been following Sunbelt baseball. But for whatever reason, it hasn't been happening for them, and it really hasn't been happening lately. And one of two things is going to happen. They're either going to go out there tomorrow, ready to, uh, or tonight rather, ready to get the season over with, or they're going to realize that, hey, look, I've just been given a stay of execution, if you will, and so I still got a shot, so let me go play accordingly. We're going to find out which Texas State team it is when they take the field against App State tonight. ESPN 1420.com, Jay Walker, Brad Topham will have the calls for you. All of the Cajun games from the Sunbelt Tournament, whether it be two games, three games, or four games, will be simulcast here on ESPN 1420.com and the app, as well as Newstalk 96.5 KPL 965.com and the KPL News app. That's all powered by Learfield IMG College. So college baseball left to be played, a ticket to the regional on the line for the winner. What are your thoughts on the Cajuns offensively? You know, a couple of three one run games over the weekend. Uh, the one they got the least amount of runs in, they they or the most runs in, they lost. But the other two, they won. Played air free in those games. From an offensive standpoint, you know, Deggs Deggs responded to that question for me as we're day to day. How do you feel about their bats right now, Jay? You know, I, I I think that because of the format of this tournament, normally, okay, in normal years. The old saying, you pitch your way to a tournament and you hit your way through it. That doesn't apply this time around because you're only talking about two games that you're guaranteed and, and that you have to win. And in some, in one case, maybe even one game. So I don't think going out there and tearing the cover off the ball is quite as important. Um, you know, obviously you want to score runs. You know what? I thought the Cajuns faced three really good arms over the weekend. And when that happens, you know, Tony used to say it, we got to match them on the mound. And and the Cajuns were able to do that. So I'm, um, you know, I would like to see them hit the ball better. I would particularly like to see them hit the ball better with runners in scoring position. But this is a team that's not striking out as much as it was early in the year. Um, they're having much more competitive at bats than they were having earlier in the year. And so I, I'm not, I'm not paranoid, I guess, about the fact that they, you know, scored three runs and two runs in the last couple of games. Um, cause I don't know that, I mean, you're not going to face those kind of arms every time out. So I, I'm okay. I still think. 
I still think that it's going to come down, and, and I hate to sound like Tony's broken record, but it's going to come down pitching entirely hit. And I think if the Gates pitch and play good defense, underline that, because they have to play good defense. If they do those two things, then they've got a very good chance to score enough runs to win. They played good defense on Friday and Saturday last weekend, and they needed all of it, a couple of one-run games, one-run wins. And, you know, that right there is a difference between winning the Sun Belt and possibly finishing, what, fourth. So it was, um, you know, things things shook out the right way for them. It's a good draw, but it's a tough road to hoe. Uh, South Alabama, many view them as the favorite here, Jay. Um how do you feel about the Cajuns possibly winning this tournament and punching their ticket based on pool play and where they where they you know where they drew all things considered? You know, I Scott, I I think I think the the the, the four teams that are the, the higher seeds in their pool have a great chance to be in the semifinals, and if that would be the case, the Cajuns would play Georgia Southern in the semis. Um, you know, I, I'm really hedging my comment here because I honestly think it depends. I, it depends on what pitching you have to use in order to get to Saturday. And in a hypothetical, let's suppose that, um, you know, you decide to, to to put some things together against Texas State and you find a way to win, and Texas State happened to beat App, and so the App game doesn't mean anything, you could conceivably go to the semifinals and finals with Arrigetti and Cook. And if you do that, I like your chances. But there's no guarantee it's going to work out that way. The one thing I do like about the Cajuns, and, I like, and it's the reason that I like this part of it better than any of the other teams is that no one has the quality pitching depth that the Cajuns have. You know, he's got 13 guys that he believes in. And while other teams are going to be using relievers multiple times, Matt Deggs is going to be coming in with a fresh arm. And he's, as he showed in the game on Saturday, he's not afraid to use six or seven arms to win a game. And, I think that for the Cajuns is an advantage in this tournament. It, it um, the the job BJ Ryan's done. You've seen where the pitching is has you know where it started, then where it went, and now where it is currently. A um, lot of depth there, a lot of depth, and play clean baseball. I think is the big key, as you mentioned earlier. But you know, timely hitting, we will see. It's going to be fun. Um, looking forward to it. Should be a great tournament. Um, and somewhat open for the top four seeds, one and two in the East, one and two in the West, at an advantage, obviously. But, you know, as a whole this year, Jay, where would you – how would you describe the Sunbelt Conference from a baseball standpoint as a whole this year, knowing that it is indeed a one-bid league, and we'll find out who gets that bid on Sunday? I think overall it's been a very mediocre league this year. Um, I don't think that there are – any teams in the league that do all three facets of the game well. You know, South Alabama has the best defense in the league. They've got an outstanding pitching staff, but fitting about 235 as a team. Um, you know, and we could go down the, down the list and talk about real weaknesses 
of every one of the teams that are in the tournament. I, I think the league as a whole is very mediocre this year. And, and I think that the standings kind of showed that because there was parity up and down. So, you know, I, I think that everybody gets a mulligan coming back after COVID. Um, but there are some programs that, you know, I, I think have got to look at themselves and say, look, we got to get better. And we'll see, you know, how that shakes out. I think overall for this being Matt Degg's, you know, first full season, I, I think the Cajuns have done fine. You know, it, it, do you want to be in a situation where you have to win the tournament? Of course not. But for a first year, as, as, you, as you build the program in your own image, uh, I, I think the Cajuns have done okay. But Matt Deggs is going to expect more, and so are the fans, and I think everybody understands that. Jay Walker, our guest, ESPN 1420. Jay not in studio this morning, uh, pre-recording because he is uh, traveling and uh, getting ready for Sunbelt Conference Tournament Baseball in Montgomery. Um, Attendance-wise, you know, things are opening up, Jay. How do you expect this tournament to fare from that standpoint? Um, well, uh, you know, the people in Troy are going to show out um, because they're only an hour away. Um, I think that, you know, you've got South Alabama as as the top-rated team going in. They're just two and a half hours away. So I think you've got, you know, uh, you've got two fan bases that have a chance to really make a contribution here. And then we'll and we'll see about the rest, you know, uh, how that goes. But you know, the success of this tournament over the next few years is going to have everything to do with local support, um, because your fan bases are who your fan bases are. But the you've got a you're playing the tournament in a town that's got a double A franchise. So there are some baseball fans in this town. And if the locals show up, I think that this could be a very successful tournament. Good stuff. All right, we will see. Um, You know, speaking of crowds, Jay, whether it be Russo Park last weekend or Tiger Park for the Baton Rouge Regional or watching the NBA playoffs and seeing one side of Madison Square Garden packed with vaccinated fans but really, really into it. Um, whether it be the 10,000, which somehow felt like 30,000 at at the Ocean Course over in South Carolina when Phil Mickelson did the improbable. See, like like the element of the fan being there, not socially distanced, but the traditional way that, that, you know, we've been used to our whole lives with the exception of, you know, recent events. What... As a guy that's been around sports as long as you have and called games, did you were you even surprised at just how different things were without like without the fans and now having them back and seeing it just that extra feel that extra layer of authenticity is the wrong word. I mean, the sport is the sport. The games are being played. They count it, but there is just a certain life and energy to fans at a live sporting event that. When it's not there, there's something, in my opinion, a big, a big piece of it is just is just missing. Well, I, you know, I think that they call it home field advantage for a reason, um, and I do think that that has been missing. Um, there was a, a a part of the season that maybe I didn't feel that way, 
But as things opened up and you started to see more people get out and you started to see the passion because so many of them have missed so much, you know, during the, the, their respective seasons, whether you're talking about uh, college baseball or the, or the NBA, um, I, and I think they have come back with more passion than ever, ever before, which really, really helps uh, your hometown advantage. Look, let me tell you something. I can guarantee you in the eighth and ninth inning, in the game on Saturday, Jacob Schultz was feeling the love, okay? Mm-hmm. I guarantee you he was feeling the love. And the radar gun showed it. Um, I, I, I don't think that you can uh, – I don't think you can downplay that. And that's what's going to make college football that much more interesting this fall. Well, that's a, a question maybe for next week uh, or the week after when we talk about what to expect. But um, – Jay, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, shift gears to terrible. Tuesday. On ESPN1420 and .com.